1: And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we get into another spooky movie. And this time we're raising hell because we're talking about Hellraiser.
2: <laughs> well done. Well done.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. Could you imagine Hellraiser? But with the gin from Wishmaster.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> been Look, honestly, I've been seeing in the past couple of weeks people kind of championing the idea of a new Versus movie. Yeah. And Pinhead versus the Djinn? Come on. kind of spicy. That'd be pretty good. What? That'd be pretty Talk good. Talk about
1: a crossover. I would love <laughs> to see the Djinn in this universe. I... Just
2: like... Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was like, why would they be in the same place? Imagine the Gin is the one that opens the box, just the sort of shenanigans that would come from that.
1: What is it? Do you pray for I feel like I feel it's crazy because I feel like the Jinn actually would make a very good Cenobite, but I right? feel like he would be pissed off by the like the the hierarchy or the power dynamic yeah. within it. He'd be very upset that he had to work with other people.
2: I think so. He'd probably be like, I'm either hell priest or nothing
1: or not. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, either I'm it. Either I am the Hell Priest, or y'all can y'all can kiss my ass on the way out. <laughs> I feel mean, like immediately, but with the way that he be torturing people, and also too, I feel like uh, this is like getting way off topic. But I feel like <laughs> specifically for Hellraiser twenty twenty two, he weirdly fits in because something we'll see in this one is this idea of like a a big wish a powerful wish that always backfires on Mm -hmm. the person making the wish and always backfires on them in the worst way. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's textbook gin. (laughs) Come on.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. Imagine the movie ends, they get their final wish, and (laughs) the gin just descends (laughs) from the heaven. (laughs) What is
1: it? (laughs) They're like, oh, my God. What is that? (laughs) You wish my we don't even need i won't even be mad if we like barely got credit for that i just want to see it happen <laughs> so just t- tossing that out there in the mm-hmm. in the uh, universe but yeah we are talking about hellraiser 2022 because this was also a widely requested one for us to cover which i am immediately super excited for i was hoping yeah i had my fingers crossed i said just put hellraiser in there guys just put hellraiser in there um Mm -hmm. because you guys know that i love hellraiser uh the originals and for the most part as a series even when it starts to get a little wild so i was really really excited to talk about this one and obviously we would have gotten to it eventually but i was just excited to speed up the process
2: that's very true, and also shout out to everybody who, when this originally came out, were like really pushing for us to cover it too because mm-hmm. uh, it was the fire that y'all lit under our asses that at least for me personally made me watch the movie and was very pleased that I did
1: no yeah i was I was really excited for this to come out and cautiously optimistic for because here's the thing, I didn't think that they would do a bad job. But it also is a series where, now this is different because this isn't like they were tacking it on to the end of the whatever, 11, 12, 13, how I can't remember how many there are that had already been coming out. And they were like, this is a continuation. This was going to be something that was new. So Mm -hmm. that was exciting to me. But we also must acknowledge the fact that this is a movie that, was slowly bleeding to death every time a new one came out (laughs) (laughs) like this series was really really gasping for air as time went on
2: now i haven't seen too many of the hellraiser movies but i do know that that is in fact the vibe everybody that i've talked to who is a hellraiser head has said the exact same thing
1: yes it it (laughs) it gets kind of wild as time goes on gets and and for the most part after four i'm pretty sure i mean all of them were direct to to video if that okay makes you feel any type of way like <laughs> they said we're not even going to try and put this on the big screen anymore This it is mm-hmm. what it is these um are just for fun. <laughs> yeah these are these are just for us and then even after a while you know doug bradley was step no longer pinhead um clive mm-hmm. barker was no longer attaching his name to them after 1996 um so this is also the first time that clive barker has been
2: involved stamped
1: yeah like approval i'm in it i'm part of this Let's go kind of a thing. Right. So that was also exciting to hear. But yeah, I i mean, if you guys have heard the episode, you know that I enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, So we're going to be breaking down today exactly why we enjoyed this movie. <laughs> but before we get into the breakdown, we got to talk about the scare scale mm-hmm. on a scale of one to five. Hellraiser 2022. How scary is it?
2: You know, Hellraisers are tough because I don't, for me, find them particularly scary. However, right. I understand the scare factor of them. And so I think for that, I'm gonna give it like a three, mostly because mm-hmm. like you don't get like too many jump scares or like very traditional scary things, I think. But you do get a lot of imagery and you do get a lot of uh, implied violence and um, And so for that reason, I can see that being scary. Now, granted, I do think despite um, the direction that this one takes, it's a little bit like less gory than the original in a way. Mm -hmm um but still gory enough that like if that's not your thing if like body horror and stuff freaks you out this may get to you so i'm gonna say like a three out of five
1: that's fair yeah i'd give this like a 2.5 you're right in a lot of ways there's much more implied violence in this one than i think we've seen in past ones where they've really leaned into you're gonna see everything that happens to this person Mm -hmm. this one kind of uh quickly cuts Uh, with when you're dealing with the gore a little bit more. So in that way, that could maybe be scarier for people or for some people that might be a little bit more disappointing. I think overall, though, there's a lot more of things lurking in the shadows Mm, in this mm -hmm. one that could potentially be scary. Also, there is the imagery of this one. Now, the Cenobites have always been very creepy looking, but I will say I think in this one, perhaps the way that they look in in this updated version could be more nightmare fuel to you than previous kind of (laughs) image, the (laughs) way we've seen them in previous films. Um, So I think that those are maybe the scariest elements of of Hellraiser but yeah it's not there's no jump scares or anything like that so you can take that off the table luckily. <laughs>
2: true true and now I will say when I was growing up the Cenobites did freak me out a lot more yeah. when I was younger as right. opposed to like when I watch it as an adult so take that into consideration too like the sheer imagery of Cenobites can be very frightening to a lot of people and so yes. like I feel like that's somewhat needed to be said uh, just so you don't get yourself into something that you're not ready for
1: yeah yeah like don't don't be stepping don't be dipping your toe in because the water is hot (laughs) like we just want to prepare you for that the water is hot it's steamy um but yeah i guess that's fair if if the cenobites were scary to you before they'll probably be scary again but we're adults now so we can maybe (laughs) maybe we'll be more prepared for it
2: Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but without further ado, let's go ahead and hop right into the actual movie. So, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, and you have been warned. But today, we are talking about Hellraiser from 2022. This movie is directed by David Bruckner, with a screenplay by Ben Collins and Luke Petrosky, along with others, based on an original story by Clive Barker, and is starring Odessa Zion as Riley, Brandon Flynn as
3: Matt, and Jamie Clayton as the priest. Riley is an ex-addict just trying to live the best life that she can. With the help of her partner, she steals a mysterious puzzle box from an absentee millionaire Royland Voigt. But when her brother disappears, and strange, grotesque creatures begin tormenting Riley, she must solve the mystery of the box before more of her friends fall victim to its power. Insert toxic family relations, psychotic art collectors, and skin-tight Cenobites here. Our film concludes with the mystery of the puzzle box being revealed and Riley doing whatever it takes to bring her friends and family back. But is the prize at the end of the puzzle worth all of the pain? Also, what is it you pray for? Roll credits. Also, sorry, I'm just
1: sitting here stewing on thoughts very gin-like of the centibites to be stuck inside of a box until somebody <laughs> rubs it you know what i mean this is just there's too many there's too many connections too
2: many too many let's make this happen hollywood please and thank you let's make this
1: happen what does it look like inside of the box when they're <laughs> hanging out in there <laughs> It's like that did that Disney show. Did you ever watch Out of the Box?
2: Yes. Oh, I loved Out of the Box.
1: Out, out of the box. box. It's like that inside of there. <laughs> the cenobites are all just hanging out inside making like musical instruments out of toilet paper rolls. Oh and my beans. god.
2: Yes. You know what? I take everything back. Make it a horror comedy please and thank you. <laughs>
3: You solved the box. We came. Now you must come with us. Taste our pleasures.
1: Out of the box. Out of the box. But back on track. (laughs) Roshane. What's up? What is in your notebook?
2: Okay. Uh, So the first thing I have here is a couple minutes in, but it is... I love the brutality of this first sequence, mm-hmm. but no one at this party is hearing Joey scream. Not a single person.
1: Oh, you know that man has that shit soundproof. <laughs> He's got to. He's like, I gotta put as much insulation into these walls. <laughs> I possibly can because I can't have any because we do see this is actually something that I didn't even notice. I mean, duh, like I, I now on this, because I rewatched it again before we right. recorded. I didn't notice this the last time and I did this time, which makes complete and total sense that he is on the last configuration. That's why he needs Joey. So he's obviously done this, too more people before to get through the configurations Mm. so i'm sure sometime within those killings he was like let me make sure that nobody can hear these chains (laughs) chaining and these people screaming true (laughs) but the party is cracking so maybe they can't hear him like over the music and Also, this place is a, uh, this is like a labyrinth mansion. It's humongous. That's
2: also true. There's a lot of rooms, there's (laughs) a lot of places to explore and to disappear into. I get that. It was just, it was one of those things that like didn't stand out to me the first time I watched it. But like this time around, I started thinking about it. I was like, they are at a pretty banging party. And then all of a sudden there is no one to be found. (laughs) And yeah. <laughs> the sky is currently opening up and things are descending from the heavens. So I just kind of thought like maybe one or two people would be maybe having a smoke outside and think, well, oh, that's kind of strange.
1: That's kind of weird. That sounds <laughs> like painful screams, not pleasurable screams. <laughs> well, and too, uh, this is something I think I mentioned maybe in our episode previously, but the... One thing I do appreciate, although the violence in this one is not, like I said, always shown, which for people who enjoy the Hellraiser movies might be a little bit of a surprise. Like, I honestly was surprised when they show gore. It is very effective. But I was honestly surprised by how little at times they did show Um, Joey is a little bit of half and half. We do get to see a lot of what is happening to him, but he's pretty in the background. However, I will say the actors themselves do a great job of selling the gore because Mm -hmm. everybody... I feel everything that is happening to these people, specifically for um, Joey and, and even Nora, I think is also a great example of a character where I really felt what was happening. But Joey, played by Kit Clark... Kudos to you because the way those screams, the way Mans was screaming and and like moaning and weeping and writhing around in the background has me all the way shaken to my core. (laughs) Especially because it's basically the soundtrack to this scene. He is screaming the entire time in the background of the scene while Roland is just taking his time.
2: Yeah, and honestly, I loved it. I, I like that they went with that for the first kill because mm-hmm. they it, it sets up this whole sequence where they bit by bit give you a little bit more information about what happens to everyone once the configuration is achieved. And I thought that this was a great direction to take things because this implied violence or like this implied torment or torture, it felt very effective. Um, just because it leads a lot into the imagination. Mm -hmm. But I also think that for Hellraiser fans, people who've already seen a lot of the series already, it's effective because you don't necessarily need to see things to understand what is happening. Like if you've seen the OG Hellraiser, the moment you see a chain get hooked into Joey, you already know what's about to happen to Joey. Like it's already set in stone in your mind, like what's about to go down. So I do think it's smart that, like, for the first one that you see, you don't really have to see it. Now, granted, they do let you see enough that, like, the imagery of him just hanging in the background while Royland or Roland, Roland, is praising this this dark Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great imagery, and I think that's a great setup for the things that are going to happen later.
1: Yeah. Um, also, Roland is kind of takes on the form of our human villain because all Hellraisers need it, you know, for the most part, mm-hmm. they need someone who is working in the real world, I guess you could say, who was kind of pushing the events along um, because obviously the Bites can only do so much until they are summoned. So mm-hmm. Roland kind of steps into that. And for anybody who knows this actor from ER, Maybe you had some good feelings about him. But if you've ever seen Practical Magic, you already knew this man wasn't shit. As soon as he stepped <laughs> on the scene, you were like, oh, here you, here we go again. Um, I, But I will say what I do like about Roland is I guess he kind of feels similar to Frank from the original in the sense of he is really needing some additional help to kind of move along what he is trying to accomplish. But I feel like Roland in this one was kind of interesting because you really almost do forget about him after this beginning, and it takes a while before he comes back onto the scene. And I feel like he, to me, feels like the most kind of backseat puppeteer human villain that I have seen out of the Hellraisers in the sense that I still enjoyed his character. And I still felt like he was pretty nefarious despite him being gone for like an hour and 15 minutes of this movie. This man is just a ghost (laughs) like (laughs) we don't know where he is. But then when he comes back, I I think it's cool to realize just how much of what has happened has been as a result of him
2: yeah that's very true and i definitely want to get on into that a little bit later about like Mm -hmm. their actual plan um because there were a lot of things that went into it and not all of them lined up for me in the second watch but Mm. we'll get to that in a little bit but i agree with you i like the inclusion of roland and i do like how they used him at least like timeline wise during this movie because i do think you're right it's smart to have this character seem so prominent in the beginning. And then not touch on this character again for a lengthy period of this movie. Now, granted, this movie's still a little bit too long. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on that just because like the first time through it was okay to me. I think I was in for the experience and watching everything. The second time through, I feel like I noticed more things that probably could have been trimmed out. Yeah. Um But that being said, as far as, like, longer movies go, this one isn't bad. And it at least keeps you entertained the entire time with, like, new information. But using that time does allow you time to forget about Roland um, so that when he does pop up again, you're like, oh, shit, you are a part of this plot, aren't you? Yeah.
1: I I agree with you, though. I actually, originally, when we talked about the first one, I had said that its length was a con for me. I ended up cutting that out because after thinking about it later, I was like, actually, it's not. However, you're right. On a second rewatch, I felt the length this time much more than I did last time just because I knew what was going to happen. So I was kind of already jumping ahead to these plot points and then remembering all this other stuff that had to happen in the meantime Mm -hmm. where, yeah, I I definitely felt the length more this time than last time. I still don't, it still doesn't feel like a con to me because I agree with you. It's like, even though you feel it it works for this film it works for the story um but yeah it 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 drug a little bit more for me this time because i was just awaiting anticipating getting to certain parts um but there's also immediately a great i mean the imagery in this movie is is Pretty spot on. It's pretty fantastic. I think yeah, it's one of the best absolutely. aspects of this movie. <laughs> but we get something right away that I think is like a nice little symbolism for what the Hellraiser ideals kind of stand for. Is we kind of transition from this beginning with Joey getting tortured and him like moaning and groaning and making all this noise. And then that kind of transitions into a sex scene, um, which (laughs) for the Cenobites, you know, their whole thing is this line between pleasure and and pain. And so, yeah, we transition it into a sex scene, which is also our introduction to our main protagonist, Mm -hmm. um, who is currently living with her brother and his her brother, his boyfriend, their, their best roommate. friend. Yeah, their yeah. roommate. Um, and then it's her. And so Riley is a recovering addict mm-hmm. who has been taken in by her brother. And I like, I mean, I, I like her as a character. I feel like takes a step away from some of the other iterations of the main characters that we've maybe seen where they're a little bit more of that polished or they're more of the innocent side and they're being thrust into this world. Not to say that Riley isn't innocent, but I just think that when you look at the character she's surrounded with, they almost feel like they would be the traditional protagonist that you would be following. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that we're following a character who has made mistakes and is continuously still making mistakes because she does do some things in this movie that I do raise an eyebrow at. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's kind of interesting to watch her journey with this situation throughout it, especially when you get to the ending. Because I feel like with the way that she has been throughout the mistakes that she's made and the guilt that she probably feels about a lot of the things that she's done and how that has affected the people around her. I do feel like this ending to me becomes more tragic than yeah. if she had just been, you know, if it if we had been following like Colin or Nora, who, for the most part, are, are just kind of chilling, living <clears throat> normal lives.
2: Yeah, I... I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think following a flawed character really works for this one, um, especially because like the kind of lifestyle that Riley leads, I think leans into this idea of like the pursuit of pleasure and whatever kind of form mm-hmm. that it is. Um, so that's very in line with the whole idea of the Hellraisers in general. But also for yeah, the journey that she goes on through the course of this movie, it. Feels like it has more of an impact because we see her at the beginning versus how she is at the end. And what's nice is that even though she's a flawed character, she's not a dumb character. Like, she very quickly picks up on the weird things that are happening. And she actively works towards trying to find solutions to these things. Mm -hmm. It's just like she is still a person. And so she can only do so much. And she will not necessarily be super successful in every different venture that she goes down. But I do right. think she still was like a very strong main character. To be oh, following.
1: yeah, she's very she is. And I think, too, it actually works to the character to already have this. We jump in on her. She is recovering and she is trying but also she's yeah, she still makes dumb decisions like she's an early adult just trying to who in any other circumstance would be able to kind of find themselves and do these different things. But because of what she has done in her past is, you know, her brother feels like he needs to be a parent to her and that mm-hmm. causes her to really push back on that, whether she because although he's coming from a caring place and she does needs some stability i think the way that he's going about it makes her feel like a child and so she kind of pushes back against that but i think because of the way that that like kind of conflict within their re- relationship and therefore the way that that flows out because they're all roommates and because these people that she's living with really are her brother's people and she's mm-hmm. kind of being pulled into this situation i feel like the way that that affects everybody actually works in the characters in the writing's favor because later on when Riley really tries to solve this issue on her own and really kind of shuts everybody else it's in line with her as a character even though it's not the way that I you know like the way that most people maybe would have approached the situation I think because she is an addict and has probably always been treated a very specific way. I think she just reverts back into that nature of I have to do this on my own cuz nobody's going to trust me or nobody's going to believe me or nobody's going to want to help me. I think she just automatically reverts into that like I need to push everybody away and solve this on my own whether that is the best idea or not kind of a thing.
2: Yeah, I also really I really liked that we had a relationship that was already rocky at the start between her and Matt. I do think it gave uh, that sibling energy some layers to it. But I do think we also jump in at a very interesting time in Riley and Trevor's relationship as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we do. Because they are... Which I do think it's... Uh... I'm pretty sure what Matt says is true now I could be off base, but I have heard that before that you should not form like very intimate relationships with people that you are in recovery with, like when yeah. you're doing a sort of program, mm-hmm. you should not form an intimate relationship with someone else in that program. Because, like, that's not going through the same shit. Yeah, you're going through the same thing. And um, that could be very, very hindering to your progress. So Matt is on base. Like, that is not a good idea. Um, I just think that the way that he maybe approaches a situation is what puts Riley off from from listening to him.
2: He's not because he's not perfect either and like he is coming from a good place but like even in their interactions you can tell how he gets a little like neurotic with this taking care of his sister right um and yeah i feel like that definitely lends to her kind of pulling back from him um but i will say on the second time through a lot of riley's like toxic habits were a bit more apparent to me than they were the first time i bet the first time i was a bit more sympathetic second time through i'm like riley girl what are you doing
1: go, what? yeah because that's the thing is it's because we're jumping on a very specific time and now i this is coming i've never had to deal with this sort of a situation with someone that you know in my family or someone that i've had to that i care for being addicted to something and so it's it's i can't necessarily put myself exactly in, in mad shoes nor can i put myself in riley's shoes but yeah it's Because I think we jump in, you can kind of fill in the blanks where, yes, Matt is being a little overbearing, a little bit. He he comes off very aggressively. But at the same time, I think particularly on this rewatch, it's hard to say how many times he's found Riley strung out passed out in a park Mm -hmm. somewhere because when he finds her later it doesn't feel like this is the first time that that's happened because he immediately starts asking her questions that I feel like he's learned to ask over time and when you think of it in that way it's not hard to understand at all why he's being the way that he's being because he very much doesn't know the next time my sister leaves the house is she going to come back home or am I going to find her OD'd like, yeah. I, I feel like that's the way that he's thinking. And now she is making progress. But of course, now he finds out she's with some guy who's also <laughs> a former addict that he barely knows. And she just kind of disappears and mm-hmm. goes and hangs out with this guy. So I feel like that especially puts a strain on things. And of course, we find out, yeah, Trevor, Matt's instincts were fucking spot on <laughs> because Trevor is not shit as well. Mm-hmm. Um Because we find out for sure later because he's a traitor. But (laughs) in this particular moment, he is the one who kind of advises Riley that they should go and rob a storage unit. And he's the reason that they find the puzzle box. And then he says, yeah, Riley, take the puzzle box home. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say that being said, I do think they do a good job in this film where you can see from both perspectives because I understand where Matt is coming from just as much as I understand where Riley is coming from. I think we get enough of that back and forth with them where you, I at least I don't vilify either one of them. They both have their specific perspectives and they're both just trying to do the best they can. And I think that's what is well done in the way that they're kind of scenes together are written is you can definitely understand why each of them feel some type of way about the way that the other one is acting. <sighs>
4: you scared me. Missed you tonight. Where'd you go? Out. Oh. Drinking? mm Bullshit. You can't even take off your shoes. It's, it's dark in here. I was... I was trying to wake you up. Don't ask me questions if you know I can't answer them, Matt. Pills. No. No, seriously, no. Okay, let me see. First, Matt, I'm fucking clean! Hey, I worry about you, Rye. You gotta Get stick out of to room. this. my room! Riley, I'm not trying... I love you. You love having something to fix so that you can feel like a big success in this shitty apartment. Okay, okay,
3: I see what you're trying to do. No, you
4: don't think about what I'm trying to do. I'm not, you know what? That's okay, neither do I. Okay, you're drunk. Yeah, are you jealous? Are you scared? Sleep it off, and in the morning pack your shit. You don't mean that. The hell I don't. Yeah,
2: absolutely. But like like you said, Matt is not too far off with Trevor. And like, <laughs> Trevor is kind of like, at first you're like, eh, whatever. He's kind of, he's got cute tendencies, but then like his red flags immediately start showing up. Um, one that should have sparked a red flag that didn't the first time through, definitely caught it this time around. My man says he delivers paintings as his job. <laughs> Ain't no way in hell that painting delivery job equates to that nice-ass yeah. apartment that my man's is staying in currently.
1: Yeah. Scam. <laughs> <laughs> he has a very, very nice, <laughs> very nice Like apartment. I, it
2: didn't even click to me the first time through, like, how affluent it looks like this guy lives based on his profession. But I was like, something... Something's off about this. Yeah. Like this this ain't right. You shouldn't have this kind of money, my guy. I don't know what you were doing on the side, but it sounds like your main gig does not support this kind of lifestyle. Right.
1: Cause I imagine him like riding a bike with a painting <laughs> stuffed into <laughs> like wrapped up and stuffed into a bag, and he's riding a bike to different places. That's what I imagine. And hey, maybe that pays well. But yeah, we find out later that he's he has been getting some extra money on the side doing very unscrupulous deeds for very rich people and mm-hmm. so we get the box and this box is cool I like this puzzle it's so box cool
2: it's so cool the reveal in the beginning we didn't talk about but it's really nice how they like show you the box that you're used to versus what it is in this movie yeah. I thought that that was a great callback to the OG while also presenting a new idea because mm-hmm. the new box design, it's pretty damn cool. You got to admit it. It's
1: very cool. Now, we have seen different iterations of the box previously. We have seen the box and it's different configurations. But most of the time, it is in its square form, mm-hmm. in its cube form. And that's <laughs> kind of the box, the puzzle that you're you most affiliate with with the series, but we get to see it go through all kinds of configurations in this one, and it's continuous. It has to go through all of its configurations before it reaches like its final form. And I like all of the configurations. I think they're all really cool. I also like the way that this box gets solved. This one to me feels more like. A puzzle that you really have to think about, whereas in the original, I, everybody always acts so surprised when people would solve the puzzle. It's like you literally just had to, to finger the middle and then twist it <laughs> and then pop it in a place. Ta-da. And you solved the puzzle. Now, this one is kind of similar in the way that it moves and stuff, but you really do have to kind of lock some things into place and, and do, you know, some different some different twists and turns of it before you get it completely right. And then what is particularly scary about this box is that and I think the thing that scares me about this movie as a whole that I've maybe not felt previously or that unnerves me, I guess I should say, is in this one, the box just needs blood and it doesn't really matter whose it is and in the past it's felt like you really had to insert yourself into this situation even people who didn't necessarily know what the box was gonna what was gonna happen when they unlocked it had been kind of inserting themselves into the situation in in a way it was a very deliberate decision that they made to unlock the box whether they knew what was gonna happen or not Mm-hmm. In this one, you don't even have to be fuck with the box. You could just be walking <laughs> down the street on your way to get a coffee and if someone, if you get slashed by that box, it's a wrap. It's so, yeah. it's not a choice anymore. It's not a deliberate involvement. It's just if you get cut, say hello to say hello to Pinnett for me because <laughs> it's you're done. Like, And that's what happens to all of our basically all of our victims in this are just victims of circumstance they just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time grab the box in the wrong way matt our very first victim i think unfortunately more so than the others is very very much an unwilling participant in this he just came to check on his sister and right gets cut by the box
2: yeah, poor Matt, man. I I keep thinking about what if he just grabbed the box from a different angle? <laughs> Would none of this have happened? Because, like, she, Riley escapes that initial first stabbing. And so it seems like that got the Cenobites a little twisted because they're like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. There's a promise of blood every time somebody spins this little cube around. What happened on this? Mm-hmm. And, like, now, granted, she's freaked out. She's, at this point, like, on pills and, like, seeing... Like, so she's not in a good state. Mm -hmm. But, like, it kind of seems like at the beginning of this whole ordeal, she's kind of in the clear because she missed that initial stabbing. Now, unfortunately, as we see through the movie, it don't matter because, you know, Matt. um, But although this sequence was, like, really... It pulled on my heartstrings the first time. I had a thought the second time through. I'm kind of curious how you feel about this. Okay. But I couldn't help but thinking what it would have done to the movie if Colin had gone after Riley instead of Matt and Colin was the first victim.
1: Hmm. I think that that would be like it would it would make for an interesting switch in the dynamic to potentially see more of Matt and Riley. But I will say I feel like Riley is so invested because it's Matt. I wonder how that would have changed her storyline only because it does seem like her and Colin have a very nice relationship, but it is hard to tell how close they actually are.
2: That's true. Whereas with Matt,
1: there's all even if they're not close, there's an mm -hmm. underlying sense of loyalty just because they're siblings
2: of course of course and like the way it would have to happen would clearly need to be different Mm -hmm. but you know there's that moment where they pass by he's like you know don't leave and all that stuff so that could potentially lead to him maybe being like all right let me go get her yeah um since they're having a fight or whatever um and i i agree like i don't dislike that it's matt first because i think taking away someone who's that important to riley Is a strong move plot wise. I like this is more like a lateral move than like oh I think this would be a better idea. Um, But I think there is some interesting stuff to explore there because like one if Colin disappeared, you know for a fact Matt would be placing the blame on Riley Mm -hmm. anyway. So I think that would still potentially lead them down a similar route. Mm -hmm. But then you would get to have that full film of how does their relationship change over time because like after we lose Matt. It becomes very clear that riley does have um love for her brother and is very remorseful that he's gone now um but i I just thought this time around it would have been interesting to see how that relationship and dynamic would have changed over time with like all the same events happening right
1: well and i think too i feel like if matt had been in colin's position I think this movie maybe would have been a little bit more of an ensemble story because if Matt was still alive, I think he would have been much more involved in what Riley was doing because it's Mm -hmm. Colin and Nora. I feel like they're like, whatever. And they just let Riley leave. That's why she kind of does all this investigative stuff on her own. But I do think if Matt was still alive, he would have probably been much more involved
2: yeah, in. especially if it's Colin who had disappeared too, because right. now he's got stake in it as well.
1: Yeah, and um, he would have been like, "Where are you going?" Like probably showing up at the hospital. Like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, <laughs> shit, maybe needed to happen. But um, yeah, I think he would have been been very, very active in in her investigation. And, and interestingly enough, too, it's it's because you're like, oh, if if he hadn't have cut himself I do think for sure Matt would have been in the clear if he hadn't have cut himself but something interesting about opening the box is Riley because she opened it is connected to the box it does seem like one way or another this box is going to get to all its configurations and the the Cenobites are like either is you or is somebody Someone else up, yeah. but somebody is giving us blood today, like we will be <laughs> drawing blood because the only reason that Matt even gets involved is because in this really sick looking like shot metaphorical chains come out of mm-hmm. <laughs> come out of Riley's body and go into him, but it happens in a nightmare for him, and it wakes him up, yeah, and so it seems like, and then later on, of course, we see that. Pinhead forces Riley to do the next configuration and shows she cuts herself. And then they're like, oh, uh oh, oh, oh mm-hmm. looks like you have a big decision to make. <laughs> so it does seem like when you open the box, you are now connected to all of the configurations within that. Oh, um, yeah. Within that, like transition or whatever until it goes back to the lament configuration this box is your box <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> which is true. also scary because then it then it also becomes a choice do you just claim other victims and get back to you know and just finish it up or are you going to be one of them because i imagine even if she had sacrificed herself it would have still kept going other people just would have found the box
2: right and that lends me to
1: Confusion.
2: <laughs> yeah, confusion. It's, it's because it's just like this whole process though. of Like you have to hit the five configurations to even make it to this last one. Mm-hmm. It seems like the Cenobites want you to get there. Like you do like they do want someone to make it to the end of this ritual. Right. But like if you have to die in order to get to the next configuration, it kind of seems like you're forced to make it other people because like otherwise How do you how do you finish the
1: box? Well, but that's if you want the wish, because Mm. that's the pool of finishing the box. Whoever has the box in their hand at the final configuration gets the wish. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's just the thing is it's like for Roland, because he wanted that wish and he wanted to to talk to Leviathan he needed it to be other people. Now, Riley comes to that conclusion, too. So she ends up wanting the wish. But at the time, I think if Riley hadn't have known that and she had just died, by the time they got through all the configurations, I assume whoever had it for the last configuration
2: would just would
1: just not inherit the wish, I guess. That's,
2: that's <laughs> fair. And like, I, I think that confusion just comes from like, One thing that is lost with this version of the box is like the pursuit of pleasure that a lot of people, other people Mm. in past iterations went to the box for where it's like they get this information that you have wondrous things that you will feel and sensations and things that will be shown to you if you screw around with this box. Whereas like in this one, it's more like circumstances making us continue Mm -hmm. this box, you know, it's less of like the pull of what do I get from the box? Um, as opposed to just like, I need to finish this box to save my friends, you know?
1: Right. And and I agree because I also, and tell me if you think feel this way as well. It feels like to me in this one, the Cenobites, it feels like in this one, there is an end to the suffering because it feels like. Yeah, they're still going to push you to their your limits, but you will die. Whereas in the past, it didn't feel like that. It felt like you were just going to be tortured for forever. You were going to be in your own personal hell kind of a thing. The Cinnabites were going to have fun with you till the end of time. Whereas yeah. in this one, there we do see... People die. They die. they get... there's an
2: implied end as yeah. well, too.
1: And and I'm pretty sure that Pinhead even says like your brother's ending was glorious was, or some yeah, shit like, like that. Or yeah. Like, yeah. And so there is an implied end to you getting taken. And so it's interesting because although they still feel like they have those same ideals of like pushing the limits of your body to the extreme and how that There's going to be a moment where that could be like you could cross over into pleasure like that same line feels like it's being towed. But I feel like in this one, there is almost more of a bloodlust and just a feeling of almost a cure. I I especially feel this with I think Jamie Clayton. She is great as I really, really like her iteration of Pinhead. But Mm -hmm. it almost feels like to me there's more of like a like she has this curiosity of how of the different things that she can do to people's bodies and the different ways that she can torture them and that's almost more of it than the Cenobites and the Pinhead of the past where it really did seem like in their head there was just no difference between pain and pleasure. They were going mm-hmm. to, you know, you, you summoned us, this is what you wanted, we're going to show you what feels good kind of a thing whether you like it or not and then... And this one I feel like there's more of a recognition that like oh I know this shit doesn't feel good but like I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <funny. laughs> I don't know, like it just feels like these these cenobites are more it's more about getting that blood and needing these bodies and these victims to for leviathan than the torture aspect of it
2: yeah it's more so like these sacrifices are playing a role more so than like maybe in the past it was more like about converting people to the idea of what the Cenobites follow which is yeah. like no no, no we're going to show you all this pain so that you understand the way that we think where it's like once you feel this maybe you'll come you'll cross the line to be similar to us mm-hmm. and you'll enjoy showing this revelation to other people where this one's like, unless you pick the right choice at the end of the configuration, it's like, no, 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 you're not going to be one of us. We're gonna, we're gonna torture the shit out of you. But oh yeah, in the process, you will experience things that you've never experienced yeah. before.
1: Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's because it does feel, it does have that same element of they obviously for you know there obviously is still this idea for them that there is pleasure in this pain. It's but it just feels a little bit more like that is. On the back end, I think especially because it's this idea of, oh, well, if not you, then someone else, which Mm -hmm. is not normally the case. It's normally like you open the box. So like come get these (laughs) hooks, dog. But in this one, it really it doesn't matter who it is. It's like we just need somebody. And I feel like especially for that, it's they have to know that people didn't come seeking these wonders or whatever they just need these people and they're going to show them their idea of a good time but at the <clears> end <throat> of the day these people are not going to make it
4: what are you explores in the further regions of experience of Sensations, sensations our gifts are boundless what the Yes, you do. Our god awaits. You know what it can offer. Resurrection. Your brother's ending was exquisite. What? Would it bring you comfort to see him again? Two more. And he is yours. Feed it. Their pain. Their blood. Unlock the next configuration, and then the last. No, I've done enough.
2: Enough is a myth. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, they have. For me, it has more of like a slightly nefarious spin on it because now it's more just like it's not about the greater good of you finding enlightenment. It's more just like you're a part of the process. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it still works for me. And I still think that it um, lends itself to the idea of this movie and like moving forward with these different configurations and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But also while we're on the topic of the Cenobites, we've, we've discussed already in the past how much we love their designs, but it lends to being shout out one more time of just how good the Cenobites look in this one. Um, A lot of it was done by Practical Effects. I believe that Russell Effects was involved in the creation of a lot of these. The Cenobites ended up looking really, really good this time around. The skin idea Mm -hmm. as opposed to the leather worked very well, I think for not only their look, but like what they stand for, I think that yeah. it really lends themselves into a different idea that I was a hundred percent here for.
1: Yeah, the skin pulled in all different ways looks crazy because it does in a lot of ways does look like they're wearing latex.
3: Right and so it does.
1: when you first when they first stroll up on the scene, you you get that same feeling. But then as you get closer and get to really see what's going on. You do get to see that everything is just their skin pulled and stretched and manipulated in ways to make it look like they are wearing clothes. And then you really realize, like, no, this is just how they've been pulled apart and put back together. And also, too, there are, because my favorite thing about Hellraiser and like the different iterations of it is seeing the different Cenobites, the different designs Mm -hmm. in them. And so that's why, although the third one, (laughs) Hell on Earth, is kind of wonky, I like it because there's new Cenobites to see. And I felt the same way about this one. Every time there was a new Cenobite, which there's actually quite a few, every time there was a new one or a new design, I was really, really excited about it because they look insane. Every single one of them has a very specific thing about them, a specific torture or way that they were you can kind of like maybe lead it into how they were in real life and also we get chatterer again Mm -hmm. which was cool to see cool to see chatterer with a new design now granted chatterer gets uh torn the fuck up like right (laughs) after we see him but it was so cool to see (laughs) to see the the new design and even pin like our hell priest design the way that the the nails like shine. The, mm-hmm. the ends of them like shine off and I appreciate what they did differently enough to differentiate it from the, you know, hell priest design that we've come accustomed to that. I feel like most people attribute with Doug Bradley now. I think it was really smart in the way that they changed things just enough to make it feel different. But I instantly recognize this still as Pinhead. I'm not I had no questions in my mind as soon as I saw that silhouette. I was (laughs) like, absolutely is that bitch again
2: is (laughs) back at it again. (laughs) But it's like it designs are all very are very creative and great takes on the idea of the Cenobites and also like kudos to every single actor and actress that was in those latex suits because I know they're uncomfortable. I'm sure temperature was hot cold everything in between like anytime there's that much makeup and costumes you know who's ever underneath is going through some grueling processes to put that on camera Mm -hmm. so thank you to everybody who uh went through that to have these awesome creatures on camera but they they work and like the energy that they bring to not only just like the environment when they appear but just the way that the characters react to seeing them, Mm -hmm. I think is like one of the big joys of watching this.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I would shit absolute bricks if I saw any of those (laughs) people. Um, And also too, like I said, Pinhead is that bitch because what? How much runtime do we get for real, for real? All in Mm -hmm. all, Pinhead is really not on screen for very long, but the other Cenobites are so cool that I don't mind because don't mind. even though they the the other Cenobites are running the show at times yeah their their designs are just so intricate and they are still so creepy that I am still happy to see you know whatever they're going to do whatever they're going to say if they can talk mm-hmm. or what have you and then when we get pinhead rolling up on the scene mhm it's great because, you know, it's still that powerful moment. It's still the the presence and there's a certain kind of power that Pinhead holds. And you can kind of tell in comparison to the other Cenobites, which I do think that they do a good job of here, although we don't see them all together often. I think they do a good job of still making it very clear that there is a power dynamic and that. hmm that is upheld but they're all gonna have a little bit of fun tonight they're all gonna kind (laughs) of get to do their own thing
2: let's go girls you know what i I mean (laughs) right right (laughs) i love i love too how um they enter scenes as well i know it's kind of like a little bit of a callback of them just like appearing in the world of like this mixed reality Mm -hmm. but i just love I don't know if I love it, honestly, because it's kind of terrifying. But the fact that they can just pop out of nowhere, it doesn't matter where you are. Like once you're marked, you're going into kind of their hell dimension. Yeah. That is so terrifying, especially when you get to like Tenora's, where they're like literally on the move. Like they are in a moving vehicle trying to escape. And it does not matter because Nora is marked.
1: Yes. And
2: they are going to collect. And boy, do they collect on poor Nora.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's such a cool shot of the the car stretching and, mm-hmm. and her realizing that she's stretching away from her friends and like mm-hmm. still in the back of the van. That shot is super cool. They do a great job. I agree of melding reality with the this hellscape because in this one it's it's not an immediate change, an immediate shift. Uh normally like it is, it's like as soon as they hit that box, they're stepping out. It's ready yeah, to go. They're yeah. ready to box. <laughs> but in this one, it's once you get cut, it almost works as a drug. It almost is like a hallucinatory effect where mm-hmm. you it, it like kind of swirls your reality and mixes it and melds it until finally you are just in their realm. And it's really cool. it it were it allots them to do some really cool things visually. I think one of my favorites is the hospital, um because mm-hmm. of just the way that it slowly morphs yeah because it's like it's still a hospital for a good chunk of time and then it Mm -hmm. almost just feels like she makes a step and all of a sudden she's she's gone she's she's in this new this new place which is so scary because it really does not feel like there's any way of backpedaling getting back Mm-mm. into the real world like oops sorry made a wrong turn like none of that feels <laughs> like a possibility yeah. it's just like and no damn. one can
2: no one can help you either And like, we see that especially with nora because it's like she is with her friends doesn't matter
1: yeah which i still i love that uh scene it it's really heartbreaking because nora really is has nothing to do with this, has done nothing wrong. It's just mm-hmm. trying to help her friend. and Which is a
2: big step from Serena who, that tussle I still call bullshit on right. her cut, but regardless, the sequence after was cool, so I let it slide.
1: Yeah, yeah, because Serena definitely did play a, a role. It's, it's clear that she feels regretful about how she helped Roland, but she did uh, bring a lot of people to their death, assumingly. So... And I agree that whole, <laughs> that whole, give me the box situation. Um, a that's silly. A, little that's silly. a little ridiculous because I guess, I don't know. It's, it's hard to know how much exactly Serena knows about the box and how it operates. So maybe she didn't realize that that was a, a situation that could potentially end in her being <laughs> being marked. But I'm like, why are you gripping this box so hard when you know a blade is about to shoot out? I, the way that <laughs> I would have thrown that shit at Riley. I'd have been like, you want it? Take it. Take it. Because... Right. Like it's not my problem anymore. If you want to do this, then do it. And that's another instance where I'm like, Riley, you really didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do all that. Like, come on. Why yeah. are you? Why are you fighting? The <laughs> girls are fighting again. Like, come on. Don't do this. It it was a bit much. But yeah, in comparison to the other characters, I guess Serena, she is the one who who had the most involvement, and so you don't. Feel bad that she got hurt. Like it sucks that it happened in that manner, but yeah, you don't feel but you're also like yeah, you don't feel bad in the way you do with Nora, who gets her skin just ripped clean off, ugh. and then. But I get so confused because. So she gets her skin oh, and that shot of the needle going into her neck is, is uh, I knew that
2: was great. gonna be rough for you. <laughs> it's I thought great. About
1: it. I know. <laughs> it it it's weird because I think the angle that it's happening at doesn't bother me that much. Okay. It's I think it's because we're seeing from inside and it's just kind of coming As through. As opposed to just coming like straight yeah.
2: on. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I'm okay um. with
1: it because I'm inside of her throat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Court of the Year already,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but no, that sequence is so good. The audio on that, when she's like screwing with her her vocals, mm-hmm. oh, so good. It's just like that. That's why I enjoyed the lead up of all the configurations because, again, each time we get a little bit more violence, a little more of a look into what happens, and then by the time we hit Nora we basically get like 75% of the experience. Yes. And it's like you see enough to be like, OK, I get it. I yeah. understand now what everybody up until now has gone through.
1: Right. Yeah, it's rough. But I will say it it's a little confusing to me only because. It I don't quite understand what happens after she gets pulled out of her skin, because it's like blood just explodes in the van. And right. it confuses me every time I've seen it. I'm not entirely certain why blood is just exploding in the van. Because it's not like mm-hmm. she fell into the van. As far right. as we know, she is no. She was in it. Because we do get to see from Riley's perspective. She can see her. So we mm-hmm. do see that she was in the van. But I guess just in comparison to how we've seen or what we haven't been able to see thus far seeing it all of a sudden happen like that it just it threw me off it, it was a
2: little inconsistent with the other ones absolutely but i for me it worked with again the implied violence and like your imagination i think takes over at that point of like all right the blood replaces her mm-hmm. we saw that little bit of what is happening to her you can kind of fill in the rest but i agree with you i do think that there is some differences um with that as opposed to like earlier on
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, but um that kind of leads us up to our ending which really feels like a I kind of like how this ending plays out cuz it does kind of feel like a like a final battle, like the boss battle, because it <laughs> all happens in the mansion and it all happens with our crew but then Roland comes back out of the woodwork (laughs) and then all the Cenobites are there like there's just a lot going on but it works for me I do Mm -hmm. like that it's just at this like central location because I do think that that mansion is a cool setting it Mm -hmm. it works really well I think for this kind of a big cat and mouse type of game that we get here at the end Um, but we also get Introduced to this idea that there are—I mean, we always know have known that there are rules and stuff for the Cenobites, but we do get to see that there are restraints almost that they have because Roland has equipped his mansion to have special, like, to act as a cage and kind of (laughs) hold them. Which I thought, I thought was a cool, was a cool idea that there are things from our world that could potentially be used to protect yourself from the Cenobites.
2: Yeah, like, having some form of weakness is, I think, ideal. Yeah. Like, you could probably pick apart whether or not this idea would work in the grand scheme of things, but I do think it's important to, like, not make these characters fully unstoppable. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like most people assume the Cenobites are pretty much unstoppable, but, like, giving them at least some tiny, tiny little chinks in their armor, I think is important, because, like, Mm -hmm. any villain that's too powerful becomes, I think, uninteresting after a bit. Yeah,
1: yeah, it gets a little bit hard, because... You can't root for anybody besides the villain at that point. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And there's also some fun with like villains that have to play along with whatever game you're playing. Yeah. I mean, all our talk back to Wishmaster for how, you know, how much we're memeing there, it still lends into this idea that like this entity or person is clearly evil, but as long as you play the game correctly, you could potentially get out of the situation mm-hmm. okay.
1: Right. You could. You just have to know. It's one of those things where it's trick. You have to know how to play. You have to know how to phrase things, how to say things, what to wish for, those kind of things. And you could, yeah, you could potentially leave only emotionally traumatized, but not tortured, which is the best um, we can case, hope for <laughs> yeah best we can hope for with when you're dealing with this situation um but yeah it kind of reminds me of like 13 ghosts uh, like the mm-hmm. <laughs> how it's mm-hmm. like all the walls sliding into a place and then they can't pass the wall yeah it kind of reminded me of that um but we see roland again this is a pretty cool this is a pretty it's, cool reveal
2: it's cool, and that was one of the most unsettling parts of this movie. Is every time that machine started whirling, I not even know exactly what it was doing with the parts of his body, but every time it moved, I felt
1: yeah physical pain. It was I don't know what kind of machine it was, but it was kind of like a like a wool spinner. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just kind of yeah kept rolling his nerves Except with my through. man's
2: mate or veins and, yeah. <laughs> and muscles
1: yeah because he his first wish was for i can't remember what all of them are his last wish is for power but i think his first wish was maybe for pleasure Sen- sensation. sensation sensation yeah. and mm-hmm. so yeah he got it and he has he been suffering Because it'll, yeah, turn off and on randomly. Not enough to kill him, but just enough for him to feel pain. And that is what he has been dealing with for months since we had last seen him. Six years. What's up?
2: Six years he has had that thing in his chest.
1: Say again. You said years? Because I had (laughs) thought. (laughs) (laughs) I had thought it had been months, dog. Mm -hmm.
2: Six years later. So my man's has been getting pulled apart for that long.
1: Okay. 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 Yeah. Then he's a little, I'd be a little crazy as well. Cause he is off his rocker now, but understandably so. And you have to imagine that he probably can't kill himself. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like the. (laughs) the constraints of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if it was me, I don't know if I would have been able to take that for six years. (laughs) But so he has conspired this whole idea. He has made this whole mansion a cage because he wants to catch the Cenobites so that he can make another wish. He wants to wish his wish away, basically. Mm -hmm. He wants to re-gift his gift. Um, And he hired Trevor to basically find victims for him so that they could go through all the configurations. So like, what the fuck? It's just, so Trevor, yeah, it makes sense. Would you go back? How Trevor was definitely pulling strings? Cause even in this situation where, um, so after like Nora gets taken away and Colin and Riley just want to leave. And Trevor's like, let's go back to the house. <laughs> and Colin's like, <laughs> <Right>? bitch, why? <laughs> I'm
2: like, or like, uh, hey, we're driving in the wrong direction. No, no we're not. not. I'm 100%
1: sure this is the right uh, way. Oh, shit. It's like, <laughs> what? Yeah, it's <laughs> all these little things are why he told Riley she could take the box. And mm-hmm. it's all of these little things. And now Trevor seemingly does uh, care about Riley, but obviously not as much as he cares about money. So yeah. he is willing to sacrifice because Roland is paying him to ensure that everything goes according to plan. I'm like, dude, after Chatterer bit the shit out of my arm, I would have been like, Roland, you're, I'm done with your plan. What are you going to do? <laughs> take the money back? Bro, you can't even walk. Like, what? Like, what are you going to do? I just... Yeah, I was like, I would have been mad done with it at that point.
2: Yeah, the, look, the Trevor betrayal, fine, it works for me. Uh just, eh, I, I kind of take back, it works for me. It's just like, I get why it happens. It makes sense, yeah. but I actually don't know if it works for me. I think that's a better explanation. Because it's just like, it just feels real convoluted that we got yeah. there. Now, granted, it is written in that, like, things obviously, did not go as planned. Like they had a whole argument argument about that. However, it just felt a little too convenient for me,
1: right, Yeah, because everything relied on, I mean, Riley figured a lot of that stuff out on her own. She's the one who found the house. She's the one who mm-hmm. went to it. She's the one who did. Now, Trevor brought people because he needed people. But it's like, if you just needed people, why didn't you take the box and just kill a bunch of random people? I, yeah, yeah it's it, so he basically. But I mean, I guess it's easier to just let Riley do do it if you don't have to and keep your hands clean. Um, I feel like the reason that they needed a betrayal was because they needed one more person to be sacrificed right. because otherwise right. Colin would have died and they can't kill Roland because they need him for the final transformation. So
2: yeah, which again, um, going back to the idea posed before, I would have it would have been a very interesting to have that Colin sequence when he almost gets sacrificed. That being replaced with Matt, again, I'm kind of curious how that scene would have been Mm -hmm. um, with those two roles swapped, but um, it still is it's kind of hard to watch Colin getting tortured and like at this point now Colin has become like one of the mainstays kind of taking the place of Matt in this last confrontation but up until he is fully saved, I was I was worried. I was like, oh no.
1: Yeah, he I wouldn't have been lose surprised. Colin too. I would not have been surprised if they would have killed him. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because at that point in time, you think it's too late. Like you think that the final configuration has configured. Like we yeah. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> we can't go no backseas, is what it kind of feels <laughs> like. So you really do think that it's too late. I do love how Petty. Um, how petty they get because they tell Roland like, "Yeah, we we don't we don't take a gift back, but you can wish for something else." So he wishes for power, and they take the thing out of him, and he's like, "Ah, oh, yes!" He is so happy. Immediately, a giant hook comes down and yanks him up out of the, out of the ceiling like he's a fish.
3: Oh, a little baby
2: smirk on, on Pinhead's face. I was like, oh, love this. Love this energy.
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's so funny because he's like, he's so, he's so happy. happy. He's so happy. he has a bad. He's been feeling pain for six years. And this man finally gets to take a deep breath. I will say this regeneration scene looks very Mm -hmm. painful we Mm -hmm. watch it because we watch the whole contraption fall out from the middle of his body but then all of his muscle and tissues and skin and everything starts to regrow back in the middle that shit looks like it hurt and then it finally finishes and he's like "Ah!" and then (laughs) the the way that that hook came down and just goes straight through his body once again poetry (laughs) It's poetry.
2: And the best part is like, you know, it's coming to like, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, it's not that easy. Like, right. you know, it going into that sequence. And so it's just so satisfying to see it happen.
1: Yeah, it's so good. Um, Riley does make a good point that she didn't get to finish the configurations. It wasn't her decision. And so, yeah, she's allotted one final choice and she kills Trevor, which by goodbye, yeah, of course. um, which I like it sucks. It probably does suck for her to that realization like she doesn't really have any time to sit with that betrayal before she has to make a huge decision um but yeah she yeah. kills trevor oh, you, and... you
2: did me wrong you kill him <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> i'll kill him then so she kills him and so colin is fine and then we get the final confrontation between her and pinhead where she is allowed to make a wish and she chooses not to make a wish, Um, which honestly is the best thing that she could have done because we probably would have had like a a pet cemetery type situation if she had resurrected Matt.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it would not have turned out well. And I I love the idea that this is an option. And I think that is what... Mm I think rounds out this whole ritual and makes it kind of fair in a way is that it has that option where like not every single wish or choice leads to your torture and demise. You can pick a different kind of pain, yeah. emotional pain and
1: right. Grief.
2: Yeah. you're Like you can pick grief. And I think for how much that will still suck. Right. She does still have to live with this idea that there is no getting these people back. All of them are dead. Most of it's my fault. And that just kind of is what it is. That fucking sucks. But yeah. that or get a mechanical thing in your chest for six years or anchored into the sky by mm-hmm. some unknown entity. I think I will take the therapy in grief, please. Yeah,
1: because that's the thing is it's not like when you make the wish it's not the same as being taken by them and you know there's going to be an end to it. There is no guarantee that there's going to be an end to whatever horrible gift that they give you as we see by Roland. So yeah, it's like you will still suffer regardless, but for her, this just seems like the better option, especially because really her only wish would have been resurrection. She didn't want any of the other things. And it's like it's not worth what because you have to assume that, OK, say something terrible doesn't happen to me. What will happen to Matt if I wish him back? Is he going to mm-hmm. be OK? Is he going to come back normal? Is he going to be tortured? Like there's no way of knowing. I could see them doing some shit like, OK, we brought him back to life, but he's being tortured again. Like I, get, <laughs> I can see them doing that, bringing him back and he's like hanging by trains. And that's just <laughs> the way that it is. So, yeah, it's the best option for her. But I do love that there is that moment of we won't know. Because mm-hmm. we, that's a gift that we've not seen be bestowed. And so you do have that moment with her and Colin where you want to assume that you made the best decision. But at the same time, you were this close to potentially having a loved one back, regardless mm-hmm. of, of what that was going to mean for you. Um, and also, too, it just feels so tragic to me because we knowing Riley and seeing her as a person and knowing the things that she falls back into it's not the same as if this was Colin ending and and he was just going back to his life. Riley could learn from this and could, you know, try and be better and try and make a fresh start or she could fall back into old habits. And like mm-hmm. there's really no way of knowing how she's going to handle this grief because yeah. this is the first time where she's not dealing with the situation anymore. It's over. Now she has to go back to normal life. And normal life was not going super well for her already. So it's like, you really have no idea what this means for Riley now.
2: Mm -hmm. But I love that in the end. Like, I love that not knowing feeling. Because, like, again, you're right there with Riley in this this pit of not knowing. Like, you don't know the future as much as she doesn't know the future. So, like, being able to empathize with a character in the end like that, I think, is only uh established because of the journey that we take and then how the process of this ritual ends up working Mm -hmm. and like i think that that was probably the best way to end it i love that her character comes to that conclusion um and is smart enough to realize that there is no right wish to wish for um it just feels like the appropriate ending and then we also to get this extra bit of seeing what happens to to mr roland After he makes his wish and like it felt like something that wasn't necessary at all. Like if the movie ended and we never saw that it would have been fine. But I'm very glad that it was there because it was intriguing Mm -hmm. to watch.
1: Yeah, we get to see him get turned into a Cenobite and Mm -hmm. it's in a different way than we've seen it be in the past because it always involves some intense torture. Um, But I think. This one is kind of cool to see because, like I said, we have established that the Cenobites in this universe have had severe modifications to their skin that has basically turned them into clothes. And it's kind of interesting to see that happen in real time with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also kind of cool because you see the exact moment they like show it in his eyes, the exact moment that he stops feeling the pain, even though it's still happening. It's Mm -hmm. like you see this like glass over look in his eyes where it changes because obviously for the Cenobites, there is a moment where the pain became pleasure. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. to watch that happen in real time with someone who was just a human like minutes before (laughs) was was, just a human.
2: It reminded me a lot of when we covered Martyrs and like the ending to that and like how that character comes to that moment of you know crossing over Mm -hmm. where it's like oh this is beyond pain anymore um it's an interesting concept and i think yeah seeing it visually really drives home kind of the points of what the Cenobites are like working towards or for and just this idea of like if you follow our teachings to a t and you're the right one you'll you'll find this enlightenment like it's there for you you just have to you just have to know how to get there Mm -hmm. Um I I just think it was it's a nice setup and like again it's something that like it really it really does feel like it's tacked on at the end but it still feels like an important part of just finishing the story is like yeah. we need to know a little bit more let's give us a little bit more information
1: Yeah and it is it is nice to know what power leads to Means. what if yeah. you choose that it's like it is nice to know what that that eventually leads to um and also it it does a good job at the way that this ended it so easily could set up a sequel but it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to like still because roland's story is so much a part of the story it makes sense that we would see the conclusion of that so even if it didn't lead into a sequel the ending still works but it also works as a transition into a sequel that would introduce him as As an additional cinebite which would be Mm -hmm. kind of fun to see
2: now, would you would you take another Hellraiser post this one? Would you like a sequel to twenty twenty two?
1: I I would I would definitely be down for another one. The thing about this story is if you don't try and add all this extra shit to it that I feel like people have felt like they needed to add in the past. You don't try and do to the base story here is endless you could have so many movies mm-hmm. because you can kind of do whatever you want with with this idea all you need is the puzzle box and right. and figure that out and as we last saw the puzzle box is just chilling it is just chilling in roland's house so mm-hmm. it would be very easy to pick up from there with some new characters and i was very impressed with how they did this one i have also been impressed in the past by Hellraiser into Hellraiser 2, I felt like was a great like transition into a sequel. And if they could do that again, I'd be I'd be stoked. I think there's okay. I think there's definitely the possibility for it. I was also love to see Jamie Clayton get to do more with true with the hell priest, because like I said, we don't get a ton of screen time, which I'm not mad about. I think it it works, but I would love to be able to see more
2: agree I agree with that okay yeah I, I think it could be cool to potentially get a sequel I for me my one point of interest is what they'll do with the human side of things and like what characters they would follow post this setup because I, I think that we now have the Cenobite side pretty well established mm-hmm. that like that is fine moving forward if they want to go into a sequel the defining factor for me would be like what do we do with our innocence or like the people playing the game? Right. Um, which I, there, again, there's so much variety in how you can go on that route. Um, but I think that is the question mark for me in terms of like, if I want a sequel, just like, I want to know that that part's done well. Cause I think if it is, then we have all the things lined up for a successful sequel.
1: Yeah, no, that that's fair. That's very fair. But that being said, what are we going to rate this out of?
2: Oh boy, ah man! I don't remember what we rated the other Hellraiser out of. I have to assume it was something chain, really. Probably,
1: <laughs> yeah. It had to be. Could rate this out of.
2: Sights to be seen. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Sights to be seen. Be a little
2: avant garde with that one. <laughs> <laughs> we could do puzzle box paper cuts.
1: Uh... yeah, let's do puzzle box paper cuts.
2: okay Uh why don't you go first for this one?
1: Ooh, okay. (laughs) I am going to give Hellraiser twenty twenty two. I think I'm gonna give it four point five puzzle box paper cuts. Okay. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. It's a lot of it's it's tonally, I think, is very, very successful as a hellraiser film i think that the cenobites are super cool i think that the story itself plays out really well and the premise of this one and the way that events roll out the way that the box operates and the cenobites themselves operate really really gets under my skin in a way that hellraiser does not always and so i love that aspect of it I think that the gore is really good. However, I am of the camp where I would have loved to see more. Mm-hmm. Um because I appreciate that about the Hellraiser movies and I would have really liked that like to see that get honed in on in this one especially with the budget that they had. Um, I also do think, like I said, it's not a huge con, but I did notice the length more on a rewatch, which I only imagine will continue <laughs> uh, every time I rewatch it. I'll probably notice that. Also, because I've been rewatching all the Hellraisers and most of them clock in at about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was another reason that I noticed it more. And also, too, I do think that there are some some like loose ends in this one that although they get tied up, I still feel like they could have they're a little bit frayed, like they're a little loosey goosey for me. Um, There are times when I question how things work, like what kind of rules exactly the sonabides work under. Um, Things Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, So yeah, if this does end up being one movie, that'll be unfortunate to not get more explored. But at the same time, I ain't mad about it because I think as a whole, this movie is really successful. Um, So Mm -hmm. yeah, 4.5 puzzle box paper cuts.
2: Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to be in a similar group as you and I'm going to give this 4.6 out of 5 uh, puzzle box paper cuts. Uh, Mostly just because I really like I really like this movie I I think it's a really well done um, reboot of the original franchise I think it's honestly a, a nice love letter to every Hellraiser fan in terms of just like the ideas and the notions and like the different things that made Hellraiser great I think a lot of them are present in this movie um, the only reason it's not a five for me is like I don't think it's perfect um, the second time through definitely magnified a couple little flaws that I thought the movie had. I agree with you. There are some plot points that I don't think really get tied up very well. There are some other plot points that I find a little convenient for the sake of things. And like, although stylistically, everything does work for me, I did still leave the second watch kind of wanting something, not entirely sure what it is. But I felt a similar thing the first time I watched it where I was like, that was a great experience, a great film but there's like something else I wanted. And like, granted, I can't put my finger on what exactly that is, but I think that if this movie were to get a sequel, or if we're going to continue down this timeline, many of those issues may be solved. Um, But as a standalone, I still think it's really good. I think if you enjoy Hellraiser, you'll enjoy this Hellraiser. And yeah, I think it's definitely a, a, a must watch in terms of like the, the streaming reboots like don't don't let this one pass you up it's really good so 4.6 out of five uh puzzle box paper cuts from me
1: also i just thought about this what was trevor doing when he took the puzzle box and ran from her and she like grabbed it from him was he like just legitimately trying to get away from her what was happening there
2: was he having a conflict of morals i don't know Maybe. Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe
1: he was <laughs> trying to help her. Maybe he was like, "Let me get this puzzle box away." But why would you take it when she's sitting, man? I can't stand all me. And, all my homies hate Trevor. So can't, can't trust relate. This man. <laughs> but hey, if you guys want to tell me what you think, why Trevor was was trying to break fast with the box um (laughs) please let us know on social media we are homies of horror on everything or if you prefer you can always talk to us in discord uh discord is where we hang out with the homies uh we chit chat about all kinds of things but especially horror in there so if that's something you'd be into then you can find the link for that in our social media also you can email us we are homies of horror at gmail.com you can email us requests recommendations and business inquiries if you're listening to this the day it comes out that means that it's monday which means that we are on twitch today we will be streaming tonight playing some spooky games and hanging out with the homies we'd love for you guys to come through and say hello you can also find the link for that in our social media bios and last but not least If you are so inclined, we'd very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the better. Recommends our show to more listeners. And we just like to hear what you're thinking. Uh, So if you haven't done that yet and you have an Apple account, we would love for you to. Or if you're listening over on Spotify, just hit the stars underneath our name to leave us a rating. Also, back on TikTok. So if you have a TikTok, come follow us on there. Um, But that is it for us this week week we hope that you enjoyed the sites that we showed you and we will be talking to you guys next monday
2: catch you next time homies
1: bye
0: so long
1: farewell
0: to you my friends goodbye for now until we meet again goodbye for now until we meet